Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kiwi and BP. Howdy! (laughs) Hello! And special guest, Kate. Hello! Today we're going to be playing Cult Express, designed by Christoph Rimbaud of Cult Express, Sandwich, Chef Cuckoo, and the Cult Express expansions. The artist is Ian Perival of Deuce and Machikoro and Jordi Valbuena. It's published in 2014 by Ludinot and then in Asmodee in North America. The description is, on the 11th of July, 1899, at 10 a.m., the Union Pacific Express has left Folsom, New Mexico with 47 passengers on board. After a few minutes, gunfire and hurrying footsteps on the roof can be heard. Heavily armed bandits have come to rob honest citizens of their wallets and jewels. Will they succeed in stealing the suitcase holding the Nice Valley Coal Company's weekly pay, despite it having been placed under supervision of Marshal Samuel Ford? Will these bandits hinder one another more than the Marshal, since only the richest of them can come out on top? The mechanics are action cue, hand management, memory, program movement, take that, and variable player powers. The uh, box art is a uh, train and some horses and people shooting at each other and riding the train and uh silhouettes in the background of the main characters. Yep. And it very cartoony, like elongated, angular style. P- font on it though is like it reminds me of that, like those early um like WordPress, like letter keys, like on an old school typewriter kind oh, of okay. thing. Yeah. Scheming and stealing to the end. Is that a little subtitle? That's a little slogan under there. I'm not clever enough to come up with it myself. (laughs) The art's fun. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess should we we have mentioned prior to this that this is a deep dive episode? Yeah, this is our our two-year anniversary. So when this podcast comes out, it'll be right around the time that we started two years ago. So yay for us. So this is not a first-time playthrough. I shouldn't have just read the show notes. But, uh. <laughs> it's almost as if it was our first time doing this. Every time is the first time <laughs> we've done this. But yeah, so this is a deep dive. We've played this game a lot. And uh, I think I think we enjoy it. So, uh. In fact, I, I remember one of the first times we played it was uh, Gen Con of that year, right? Yeah, it was the very first Gen Con we went to. And this was Eric's purchase. Right. Because he and, and we I were sat down. In that one. Yeah, we were staying in that weird bed and breakfast where Eric's room had the, the, the <laughs> extension cord, cord running from the kitchen <laughs> up the stairs to his room. There may have may not have been up to code on that one, but it was cheap. <laughs> yeah. It was cheap and available. Yep. yep. And we had it's to take a, an Uber every day to the thing. Yeah. yeah, but it wasn't like far away. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, I guess we have obviously pulled it off a shelf. Um, I, a, I guess the question would be is, Eric, why did you buy it in the first place? Because we didn't even play it. Yeah, because we, yeah. we were at Gen Con and I felt like I needed to buy something because we were at Gen Con. <laughs> um, and I so said, what, what attracted you to this? I said, Kiwi, what's a good game? And he said, I've heard of that Colt Express. You ride trains and shoot each other. And I thought, sounds good to me. <laughs> and I bought it. <laughs> Well, At this why, point, why, we have no. not played a lot of games. So. Yeah, that's true. But it is still one of your favorite games. And I feel like it's something that every time when we are all together in a space, it is something that you always bring out. It's something that you always bring out to new gaming groups. So, yep. I mean, maybe one of, maybe that's something we think about at the end 
Yeah. For our deep dive is why is this one of Eric's recurring games True. and why have we chosen it for our deep dive? Until yeah. then, you all will have to listen to the rest of the episode. Yeah. So I think I think we'll skip the how do we think it's played. That's probably a good idea. Because yeah. everybody's played it and yeah. that seems like, well, or, or. Okay. Well, Kate's played it. But unless you guys do it right now and that's the rules section. But you put so much effort into writing out those rules. <laughs> I've only played it once, so I was looking forward to the rules section. Uh, yeah, so the history of the train trains? Oh, uh, no, we're not oh. going to go for full train history because, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. Don't get me wrong, especially early trains with brakes that were uh, wooden blocks. But since I knew this was already about train robberies and, of course, um, Arizona where part of our party is currently located is pretty famous, infamous, you might say, uh, for uh, train bank robberies. And mostly because like that whole, right, the way to, I mean, California was settled much more uh, than some of those other Southwest states, right, until pretty much post-World War II, not not a whole lot of people lived in that part of Arizona just because there was no air conditioning. Until post-World War II, it's a real hot place, but uh, you had to connect, right? And there were in between all of the connections between cities on the West Coast and the East Coast were a whole bunch of mountains with a whole bunch of minerals in them. And of course, humans like to exploit those minerals and you got to pay the people who are doing that labor. And so in all actuality, uh, this game does seem to be based very historically on some of the more normal uh, bank robberies, because while there have been some pretty big heists in the past, um, the kind of standard play on them was like uh, uh, kind of unlike this game, you eat. It, or Hollywood's portrayal, you wouldn't necessarily just try to ride up, you know, alongside the the train on your horse, but you would uh, go onto the train like you were a normal passenger uh, and, you know, kind of, you know, wait until you were in the middle of nowhere. Right. And then you would uh, hopefully get the person who was guarding the safe or whatever to unlock it for you. Uh, if you couldn't, eventually dynamite, right, was one of those things that people just carried with them. There's a couple of very famous uh, train robberies where they did like full on just explode safes and cars. Um, but the other option was just going through the passenger cars and robbing the people because a lot of the passengers would have been riding the trains to move. And so they would have had, right, um, just all of their valuables with them, right? Like, I mean, you, you can't take much with you in a suitcase and they would have just been therefore bringing like anything they could to help set up their new life in the West. Or always a lot of payrolls uh, were the big targets on these types of trains, like, you know, Wells Fargo, uh, uh, Southern Union Pacific would have actually been, I think, more than just Union Pacific Express. Do believe it was Southern Union. Some of the very famous ones, of course, would be accompanied by Pinkerton, right? Detectives who were right, very popular in the late 19th and early 20th centuries in guarding all of these things. Uh, there were a couple really famous people involved in them, right? Jesse James did a big hijacked Billy Cassidy, 
Um, there were some out of Fairbank, uh, Arizona territory around the same time, 1899 and 1900 were some uh, kind of pretty famous big ones. Um, not like huge amounts, like, you know, millions and millions of dollars. But I mean, the people would come away with, you know, a few thousand dollars. Um, some of the more 20th century ones actually had a lot bigger payouts and a lot bigger mysteries. But I mean, this is one of those Hollywood kind of classical portrayals of the Wild West is the whole right train robbery scenario. So I was going to say that the 310 to Yuma oh, yeah. Crow's character is arrested for robbing trains. Well, actually, it was a death penalty in Arizona. It was like one of their fur before it was an actual state like Arizona Territory. They actually had like a statute because it was so common. Right. These train robberies throughout the Arizona Territory that, yeah, it was death penalty for getting caught. One of the first big missions in Red Dead Redemption is you rob a train. <laughs> so obviously capturing our American pop culture. All right. So does everybody want a little reminder on how we play? Absolutely. Great. OK, so the goal is to become the richest bandit in the Old West by getting more loot than your opponents. The game will last over five rounds, with each round playing just slightly differently. And at the end, the player with the most loot and the fewest bullets in them is the winner. The first player is randomly chosen. Uh, I thought it was the last time to ride on a steam train, uh, which there are still some around the world. Uh, last to rob a train. That's that's a good conversation. Uh, last to be on a train, just period, just on one. Um, and I was going to say last to wear a mask like a bandit, but <laughs> we're probably, oh, yeah. We always do go back to December 20. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, December 2019 ones. would have been the last time we were on a metro. Yeah. And we do have like two steam trains here, the Grand Canyon one and the Verde Valley Verde one. Valley. Yeah, we were actually looking them up the other day at work because somebody's kid asked like what what drives a train. Mm. And somebody was like, coal. And it was like, no way. But yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. That's what steam engines still run on. Oh, and then right. we looked it up. It's like, yeah, there's still steam engines, but most of them are like um, touristy yeah, type. Like yeah. none of them are doing like cross commercial countries. or cross country yeah. stuff. It's all like uh, tourism type things. Uh, each right. round is broken into two phases. Uh, the scheming phase. Uh, players are going to have a hand of six cards each round. Round card will show how many turns we played and how the cards will be played. So some of them will just show face up or face down, uh, going through a tunnel. They'll reverse order. Some of them will have you play more than one card at a time. Uh, and we're all going to play our cards in turn order uh, to the deck. And that's basically going to create the uh, action deck that we're going to go through. Uh, yes, I have a hand up. Scheming and stealing. <laughs> Yes, from the box cover. You're uh -huh. right. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that was your transition now. Yeah. Now into phase two. Okay. Uh, and then phase two is the stealing phase. So the first player is going to take the newly created deck, and we're going to flip over each card uh, one at a time without changing the, the order of them, and we're going to execute the actions. So some of the actions that we'll have is you can move horizontally, so essentially from car to car. You can go a floor change, so you get to move vertically, so from the roof to the inside of the car and vice versa. You can move the marshal. You can fire your gun, uh, and if you hit a player, you get to add one of your bullet cards to their deck. Uh, there's a robbery where you can pick up loot, and then you can also punch people, uh, which makes them uh, drop loot that they are holding. 
Once the actions are complete, uh, some rounds will have events that take place. And then once the round uh, is totally complete, uh, players will shuffle up their cards and the first player rotates to the left and a new round starts. The game ends after the fifth round is complete. Players add up the value of the loot tokens they have on their character card and the player who shot the most bullets gets the gunslinger prize and gains an extra thousand bucks. And the winner is the player with the most money. If there is a tie, it goes to the player who's been shot the least. Which really in life is you're, you're a sense. winner if you've been shot the least. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and that's all the rules. Shall we begin? Some scheming and stealing? Let's play. We just finished a game of Colt Express to recap. BP as Doc had 1,000 Western dollars. Uh, I as Belle had 2,300 Western dollars. Kate as Ghost had 3,000 Western dollars. And Kiwi as Cheyenne won with 3,300 Western dollars. Winning strategy, Cheyenne. Shooting and punching. <laughs> shooting uh, was yeah. literally... Yeah, shooting, shooting won me the game. So, uh, Or I would have been tied with Eric. Uh, yeah, no, I, I knew like shooting people like that's a thousand bucks in this game is a big difference. Um, and then just punching when I could because Cheyenne's ability let her pick it up. So you basically get a free move, essentially. But I never connected, did it? Uh, I think twice I did. Mm. Uh, you took some from me. Yeah, and I took I some from BP. Once from and then once from Kate, I think. Kate, yeah. Oh, nice job. Um, so I was a, I, I was a I was a punching and a shooting. I grabbed the strong box in the engine and then played keep away and uh, did not collect enough other loot. So chance with that strong box at the end. Yeah. Almost yeah. won with it. I thought you did. Almost. Yeah. I didn't realize Kiwi was over there just looting everything for taking all BP's loot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The little that I got along the way. Yeah. Doc thought we were a team, but Doc apparently took the most bullets. I, I think if there were a price <laughs> yeah. for the most you, bullets, you gave him your Doc. loot and you took his bullets. I mean, you're just, yeah. I took which, everybody's which bullets. Has a, which has a nickname. He seems like the most capable of handling being shot. shot. Yeah. Oh. Not shot. Not shot. Shot. Although he was shot <laughs> several times during the game. Uh, what'd you think of the theme, uh, Kate? Uh, the theme is pretty fun. Uh, I have played it before, so it's not like a first impression. Um, I was missing the horses in this version. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I always add in the horses because everyone really likes those. So, yeah, I don't know. The theme is pretty clear. As what you're doing is is the shooting scheming. Exactly. Do you feel like you're shooting and scheming? I do. Yeah. Well, not. Doing a great job with the scheming. Well, you're or trying. the shooting, because I don't like to shoot. <laughs> but you did really well, so I don't think you should say you didn't. I mean, you almost beat me. Yeah. BP theme? Who doesn't like a great Western if I can just keep them all straight? But this one, I mean, bank robbing, scoundrel. Yeah, see, that's what I thought you were going to go with. Who doesn't love a good heist? Yeah. It's true. Who doesn't like a good heist? Although I like a no, you're right. I do like a cooperative heist, although I also like to punch and steal people's stuff. <laughs> In games. If there are any this, cops listening. This weird, this weird like balance with her of like, I like cooperative <laughs> games, but I also like screwing people over. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, I think the theme is good. Like, I think the chaotic nature of it kind of like, I would imagine that if you were actually trying to rob a train, like the train moving all over the place and people freaking out in all the cars, like, I feel like it would be pretty crazy, especially if you knew there was like a marshal or a Pinkerton agent or something like in the trains, you're trying to avoid that person. I'm not sure it's a good idea to go on four heists with four other people that aren't on your team. It seems uh, like not a great choice of targets, but um, I guess if four people were all trying to rob a train at the same time, this is what it would feel like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. The theme's really good. It, it feels like the chaos of, of a less of like a, a, a planned out like movie heist and more just like a, an insane like train robbery backstabbing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a bunch of people together. We're just like, you know what we should do today? Let's go. Let's rob a train. train. And yeah, a but bunch like, of other people were just like, I don't have a job, so yeah, let's do it. I, I just imagine them setting out like, okay, we're gonna join up to rob the train together, and then on the ride out, like people start bickering and like, no, I, I'm gonna screw you over. And then by the time you get to the train, it's all broken down and, and just pure chaos. Uh, table presence, BP. It's a wonderful game. Uh, The tabletop simulator that we did play uh, for today was nice as well. Um, Eric, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, has the actual version and it's fantastic. So um, really recommend if you can find both uh, types of versions uh, that you do at some point get to play that tabletop uh, actual version because... (laughs) It's got the little cars. Um, you can see through them. I don't know, like that almost childish nature of having right trains on your table and getting to play around with them adds, I feel like, to the whimsy chaos. Yeah, you could definitely have like a flat board with this and just have like the images and just move the meeples around on the images. But I remember like putting this together with Eric, mm-hmm. uh, that Gen Con, and I was like, this looks really cool. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun. And like even the, the punch board had like little cacti and bushes and stuff that you could set up so you could make like a little scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does look really cool. I think my only complaint about the whole thing is like, sometimes it can be hard to like move stuff in and out of the mm-hmm. inside. So you got like an extra dexterity game in there too, depending <laughs> yeah. on how, how big your fingers are. Well, you just sort of get to the point where you jab them out and then pick them up <laughs> off the table. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the table presence on this one and the train and everything. And even like when I have like people over who, maybe don't play as many games they, like setting this up. They just get excited. And even all yeah. the little scenery around it, we always like to do. And then the horses just make it even better. So, yeah. Um, mechanics, Kiwi. Yeah. I mean, so the mechanics are pretty straightforward. It's just card play and hand management. A uh, little bit of it, it sort of does a little bit of deck building, except you're not building the deck. It's just other people throwing junk into your deck. So it's kind of like, I, I think it's a, probably a good way to teach people like how deck building you know, how cards in your deck can affect things. Yep. Um, That's always the hardest thing I have with teaching people this game is getting them to understand that simple, like, deck building piece of it. They get always get very confused. So Yeah, which, which is also the good part about, like, you know, when I said before, like, I shot people because I knew that thousand bucks was going to be worth a lot. But I also mm-hmm. know that, like, getting that junk in your hand makes it harder to do what you want. Yeah. Which so, I think like, is really cool. Yeah, junk yeah. is in the you've been shot. Like yeah, me. so it, it totally makes sense, you know, because this was a this was the Spiel des Jahres winner that year, beating the game and Machi Koro. Um, but I could definitely see like it's the mechanics are pretty simple, uh, and I think the chaotic nature, like you don't really have to have a, a huge understanding of what's going on because it's hard to plan that far forward anyway. 
because uh, there are a bunch of turns where it was like, well, I can't shoot anybody or, you know, I swing my fist triumphantly in the air <laughs> type deals. But it's one of those ones where like when you actually pull off what you were hoping to do, it feels really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I really like the shooting mechanic. It's it's because everyone always assumes, oh, you know, I'm losing health or something like a normal like damage mechanic. But the fact that it just sort of like clogs up your deck and makes it harder to play, I think, is a really cool concept. Uh, Kate on mechanics. Yeah, I, I agree with what's been said so far about the chaos. Like, even with my ability to put my first card face down, I tried to do some scheming with that, but it, you still like can't really control what's going to happen. I going right after you with that is really annoying because I thought I was mm -hmm. trying to get away and I was like, well, if she punched, I'm screwed. Or like, do I go? So your face down first card is, is a really strong one. <laughs> I could have used it better. Well. <laughs> well, and I think like part of that whole you're placing him, even if you're placing him up, like it is one of those things then you have to really track. Like the only time I felt like I had a really good tracking system of like what other people were playing was when it was, I was the first player. Otherwise it was just like, Oh my gosh, there's so many other moves before it comes to me that I was almost trying to think what I wanted to do before, as opposed to watching what other people would play. And then, yeah, Kate's thing always left this big question mark, right? It was like somebody literally put a big question mark in the deck and you were just like, what is that question mark going to be? Yeah. And it's one of those meta games where you're just like, what do I think Eric's yeah, going to do? Yeah. What do I yeah. think Kate's going to do? <laughs> And so like you kind of you're put you're kind of playing multiple parts because you can think like, OK, I think Kate wants to do this, but you have no idea what card she actually got. So like you have no idea. Right. And then the way that each round, like the the pattern changes. So you can't even like decide that this is always mm -hmm. going to be my scheme because next time it's it's. Different. Yeah. All right. So uh, learning the game, BP. Trying to remember back when I first learned it. I feel like it was okay. And uh, I think one of the things we said at the top of the game that I want to maybe hold off on until we get back to it, I do feel like it's one of the ones that you do bring up often. Uh, I mean, just because we're at your game table regularly with other people as well that are sometimes new to gaming. I remember we brought this up when your family was visiting, I think, once too. Yeah. So I feel like it's one of those ones that is... And my mom guilted everybody for shooting her. <laughs> 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 I, I feel like it's one of those ones that's easy to learn and enjoyable so i don't think there's a big learning curve whatsoever like even if you feel like you're doing things quote unquote wrong like i think you still enjoy the whole process of it uh i don't think there's any right or wrong way to uh, decide what you're going to do. Like maybe your moves don't work out, but they could just not work out because somebody else decided to do something else. You know what I mean? So I think it's really great in that sense where you don't have to have a lot of technical or gamey know-how to have fun. Okay, Kate, who taught it better, me or Kiwi? <laughs> Ouch. I don't know if that's a fair question. Feel free to not answer. <laughs> it's really hard to compare because there is also the tabletop simulator. Yeah. Learning it, that the first time. So And that's always a learning curve. So don't even like bring that into the mix. <laughs> um But an answer would be nice. An you answer. don't have to answer. No answer. <laughs> it's fine. 
I'm going to say Kiwi totally yeah, better. Yeah, I mean, you should. <laughs> it's <so> terrible <laughs> at teaching games. You're not terrible. Yeah, I think there were definitely like it's I think it's clear that Eric had played it a little bit because he was able to help out in some places. Um, reading the rules again, you know, it's kind of like you get into a game a lot faster. I think this is one of those games where like there, there's not a lot of rules to it, but I think um, and teaching it isn't super hard, but I feel like players really need to do like at least a round before they kind of understand if they've never played like a programming type mm-hmm. game before they understand the implications of like their moves, their moves and what they're doing to get a better idea, a better sense of like how much each card is worth because mm-hmm. the worth of the cards also going to change based on the situation. Yeah. I, I think it's a learning friendly game yeah. in that mm-hmm. everybody is going to make mistakes. Like even, you know, Eric's probably played it the most out of all of us. And, you know, even he had moves that didn't play out, play out the way he wanted to, or weren't, you know, didn't have targets. Most of them. It's like, yeah. So the yeah. fact that, you know, the, the most experienced player at the game can still do things that aren't exact. Yeah. I think it, it makes it, it, it makes it a friendly learn. Yeah. Not necessarily a friendly game because you're shooting and punching <laughs> yeah. each other. But it's so, that, learn. so that goes into player interaction. I mean, yes, lots of shooting and punching each other yeah. and stealing <laughs> and plotting and scheming. So, I mean, scheming's in the subtitle. It's about the ideal. Like, I think it's good because that's both like direct player interaction, like, you know, the punching and all that. And then also like that deductive stuff of like, what are they going to do? What do I play to counter them? That kind of thing. So my ideal play interaction, I think. Can I ask just why? Or is that too much to go into like my ultimate end question? I mean, yeah. And just in that aspect of play interaction, like I said, like I really like the deductive ones like uh, right. Fugitive or I'm just going to name Tim Fowler's games right now. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. Things where you got to figure out what people are thinking. And then just sort of like the the direct, like, you know, punch you and throw them back a car. Like, that's fun. But it, it's also done in a way that's not, like, overly aggressive because everyone's right. getting punched and shot. And you're going to lose loot and you're going to pick up loot. And it's not like, you know, it happens once in, in the game and it happened to you and you feel bad because, like, you're the only person. So right. I think that's what I like there- about it. Yeah, it's hard, I feel like, in this to have that alpha person who, I mean, it's not cooperative, so it's not like an alpha gamer, but like that one person who just seems to dominate because they can do maths quick in their head or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, it again, it, it, I feel like everybody's on an equal playing field. And for the player interaction, that is probably one thing that makes it also gravitate towards that. I think backtracking a little bit to the rules. Like in other games, I get frustrated because I think I need to also understand like the special abilities of the other players. And here, I didn't really know what anybody else could do and it didn't matter. So, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, it's a deep dive. So, I guess I'm going to jump the gun. Get it? Oh, get I, it? I quit the podcast. No, you can't. Um, why is this one of those games that you always pull out on the table, Eric? I think as we've been discussing, like, I think it's it's good for new groups because it has enough depth that if you really want to watch and pay attention and figure out what people are doing, you can do that and feel accomplished doing it. But if the other people are just kind of doing chaos and don't have have like a harder time figuring it out or getting into it that way, like you can still do fun stuff and hilarious things will happen. And there's like cool moments. Um, so what are they saying? Like, shut up and sit down. Your game either needs to have like a feeling of an accomplishment of like something like Castles of Mad King Ludwig, where you have a, a castle to look at at the end of it, 
or cool, cool moments, which happen in this of like, you know, I'm punching the front of the train because everybody left or, you know, that cool, like you grabbed that last box at the end of the game, even though you didn't win, you had that cool moment of like a great play at the end. Or, you know, I got Kate. Yeah. yeah. And then I got one early in the game and that was like a cool, like that whole sequence played out like I wanted it. Um, So even though if you don't win, you still feel like you accomplished something. Usually I can't say in all cases, but um, um, so I think that's one reason. And another reason is it's really easy to teach some of it can be a little difficult on the programming piece and the card uh, deck building kind of aspect. But usually after the first round, they get it. Um, but it feels like a game that like you can kind of teach and they're going to have fun just doing stuff and it's less stressful to me to teach it. <laughs> so, and again, like we talked about with the table presence, like everybody likes a train mm-hmm. and horses and stuff. So seems to have kind of like all that, that just makes it fun without too much effort into learning it. Uh, yeah, that was my question. Yeah. It answers it. Uh, so Kate, maybe my question next then for you, like why did why do you like this game? Or do you like yeah, this do game? You like would you, con- would you continue mm-hmm. to play this game with us? Yes, I would now. I I have to admit, I was a little frustrated when we played it the first time. I think I did want to win. And the chaos, <laughs> like, was, <laughs> not knowing everything that was going on and all the rules, I, I was like, okay. I got a little frustrated. But, um, yeah, no, I enjoy it. Okay. So did I it feel it. less frustrating this time around? Yes, it was. Okay. Is it because you did better? Probably. And I think the first one I punched. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I took all of her loot and won. Very, very <laughs> results. You had the BP experience the first game. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's just shooting me and taking my money. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that's, I'm so used to losing that I didn't even care. Like, I just, I don't know. I just, I do. I just enjoy. I was say, um, like for super competitive people, I think this can be a, a hard game because uh. it's not going to go the way you want. Like almost impossible for that to happen so like if you're more competitive and even if you don't necessarily like have to win you just like have to do well or have to feel like you're playing your best that might not happen in this game Uh, but for very uncompetitive people like me like it's just fun or people who want control like i'm used to losing definitely used (laughs) to losing but yeah i didn't know what i was doing i was like what it's just out of control like you're just you just want to move over and pick up a bag and like three people punch you and you fly back yeah. four cars and it's just yeah uh-huh. it's like i just picked that up <laughs> you might even mention it earlier is like this there's strategy there but there isn't like you even if you are a person who wants to develop a very specific strategy does challenge you in that way it's like you can have a perfect plan and and it just doesn't work out. So that's that's another question for Kiwi because he likes less randomness and things mm-hmm. in his games usually. So why oh, does yes. he like it? I think there's an element of like it's randomness that I know is there. So like I think the part about randomness that I don't like is like there's lots of when it's dice yeah. dice rolling and it's stuff that's just like there's not no way for me to mitigate it where that's not really here. This is me like trying to do my plan and like because of the chaotic nature and the the way the programming works, I think it creates like fun situations. And, you know, for, for us, for our group, at least like we tend to tell stories with it, you know, like even when we were flipping over the cards, it's like, ah, Kiwi's on the roof of the, the engine and he, you know, pumps his fist in triumph instead of, you know, just a regular, like, you know, I didn't punch because there's nobody to punch. So I think there's, 
I know it's random, but it's random because of like programming and I enjoy programming. So like it's, it's a different kind of randomness for me. And like, I'm, I'm okay with this. It's a random that feels like you can solve it. Like if you just pay yes. attention harder to what everybody's doing, you can figure out what's going to happen and you can't, but it feels like you can. As yeah. opposed to like rolling a dice where it's like, well, I got a one in six chance no matter what. I yeah, think. exactly. And, and you know, when you do that math in your head and you're like, hey, I've got a, a five and six chance of this succeeding. And then you get that one roll that fails. Yeah. You're just like, well, this is stupid. I hate everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That's uh, Colt Express, the deep dive. So if you want any recommendations of our first impression of games or you've heard something in the past and you want to hear us uh, dive into it a little, little deeper, maybe you want Kate to become uh, on the podcast a little more often if she wants to. Just anything, send it our way. Emails, firstturntabletop at gmail.com. The Twitter and Instagram, firstturncast. And of course, the podcasting camel in Arizona, where he originally came from in the first place, he's loping alongside the train. I don't know. In my fantasy world, he's probably outpacing that horse. I know it's a fantasy, but he's outpacing it. And as his slobber is sliding back into the horse's like sight line with that like galloping person, he says... Don't you forget to rate, review, and subscribe on all your favorite podcatchers. Play more games. I swing wildly in the air. I shoot Eric. And then shoot BP. Eric shoots me back. Okay, and my special power is that I can. Do whatever I want. <laughs> One of your cards that's supposed to be face up, you can play face down yeah. instead is what okay. Ghost gets to do. Okay. <laughs> do whatever I want. <laughs> I'll make that better. Oh. I've been shot a lot, but I haven't shot in a lot. That's okay. <laughs> it's a good thing you're a history teacher, not an English teacher. <laughs> sing, sing, sing. Oh, help! I've been shot in... <laughs>